Welcome to Forensics Faces Season 2. We have a Season 2 that's nuts. I'm your host, Kurt Graves. Another Forensics season is just around the corner in Wisconsin, and so the time has come once again to take time to listen to and learn from some of the people that contribute so greatly to the success of the WFCA. And this year, we're not only meeting new people, but we're trying some new things on the podcast. The first of what I hope are many new, exciting developments on Forensics Faces in 2013 is a game for you guys, the Faceplate Listener Challenge. Here's how it works. At the start of every podcast, I will give you the definition of a word. This word will include at least one syllable that, when spoken out loud, sounds like a number. For example, when we abbreviate forensics, many of us just write the number four, the letter N, and the number six. You sometimes see this on license plates, hence faceplate listener challenge. When you figure out the word, go to the Forensics Faces Facebook page and comment under the thread started for that week's challenge. So, for example, if I said the definition was to not be on time, the answer would be the word late, and you would spell late as L and the number eight. The first listener to guess the word and abbreviate the spelling with numbers correctly wins. What do you win? Uh, Let's just say that it's something that is sure to make others appreciate your public speaking even more than they already do. This week's faceplate definition is to surrender under agreed conditions. If you think you know the word and how to spell it, go to our Facebook page now. And like the page while you're there. We could use a few more likes. As I said, there will be a lot of changes this year, but one thing that's staying the same is the quality and wealth of information we'll gain from listening to our guests. First up is Elliot Fisher. Elliot is a coach at Sun Prairie, and he's also serving his term as president of the WFCA. Has anybody else noticed that when I say the word coach, you can really hear my Wisconsin accent? Elliot and I took time to chat during the executive board's summer meeting in August, and I know that Elliot would want me to mention that when we recorded this interview, it was very late at night, and we had had a long day of nonstop talking, Uh, and so if his voice sounds a little raspy at times, uh, it's because of that, not because he is a lumberjack. And those of you who know him and know what he looks like will find that especially funny. So uh, here is my conversation with Elliot. We are here with Elliot Fisher, the current president of the WFCA. Welcome, Elliot. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on Forensics Faces. Uh, as we do with all our guests, tell us about your life. What do you What do you do outside the world of forensics? Outside of the world of forensics right now, I'm kind of in a little bit of uh, career flux, I guess you could say. For the past couple of years, I have been a part-time instructor at Madison Area Technical College in Watertown and Fort Atkinson, teaching public speaking there. And I've also had an administrative position at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. But starting on September 1st, I will be teaching public speaking full-time at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. So I'll be taking my love of public speaking and doing it full-time to inflicting my joy on college students at (laughs) UWO. That's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) They don't know what they're in for yet, but I'm excited about it. So what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? Uh, I love 
well, forensics obviously is a love of mine, and it, it you know it uses a lot of my brain energy. I also love to travel a lot, and so summer is a great opportunity for me to kind of go out and see different places. And I think in the last couple of years, I've been able to explore some places that have been on my list of uh, places to see. Uh, I spend a lot of time on the couch watching TV, and with this past week being the Olympics, I find myself really engrossed in a lot of sports that most people don't care about. And so that's what I've been doing a lot. Um, I like to you know, get outside, try and stay active if I can. Uh, but my biggest, I think my biggest passion, I guess, outside of forensics is cooking. Um, I'm not great at it, nor am I a foodie, but I enjoy cooking. It's kind of my, my stress relief if I ever find myself, you know, really worked up about something or finding myself stressed out. There's in good likelihood going to be a you know, pan of cookies or a cake being baked in my kitchen at that moment. Sounds good. You should call me when you're stressed out. Absolutely. Will do. <laughs> when you have to explain forensics to a total stranger, what do you say? I usually explain it as um, competitive speech interpretation and acting is pretty much the the nuts and bolts of how I explain it to complete strangers. And usually you get the smile and polite nod, like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about, even though they probably still have no clue what it is. So tell us about your forensics experience. What's your what's your forensics story? My forensic story uh, starts back when I was a young lad growing up on a farm in Iowa. Um, <laughs> in you were going to say Ireland. Ireland <laughs> you used the word right. lad. No, I'm afraid not. Different I word. Um, it would be, yeah, back in Iowa... Uh, my older sister kind of is six years older than I was, and I went to a really small high school in Iowa. Um, I graduated with 30 people, so it was a small school. Um, and as a result of that, everyone kind of had to do all of the extracurricular activities. And if you didn't do something, it ceased to exist. So everyone was in everything, and so speech was just one of those things that you did. And in Iowa, the system that we were under, it wasn't competitive at all. Um, in fact, there were no tournaments. It was all kind of festival-oriented. So you went and you performed and got a, uh, a rating from judges and not a ranking. So I did that for four years, enjoyed it thoroughly, uh, went on to college not thinking it was an option to do in college at all, and had a friend of mine who brought me to a meeting in October and said, if you did this in high school, I think you'd be great in college. And so my freshman year of college found myself in a forensics meeting and going to a tournament and just truly got addicted at that point and for the next four years competed in college and forensics um, each year just getting more and more in love with the activity and doing better and better as I went along and enjoyed it thoroughly it was a rough start I started out really really bad but continued to improve and I saw the value in competing in this activity and not just performing for a rating uh, after I finished college I thought that was going to be the end of my forensics experience so I moved back to Iowa and took the class to become a certified judge and started kind of doing the judging thing. And then a college in Iowa contacted me, uh, someone who I had competed against as a college competitor, um, offered me an assistant coaching position. So I assisted, coached um, a college team in Iowa for about two or three years and then uh, moved to Wisconsin after that to uh, pursue graduate school. And while I was in graduate school, was approached by John Peschel to start up the forensics team at Sun Prairie High School. And so now, eight years into that, um, we've been coaching uh, the high school forensics team at Sun Prairie High School. And how's that going? 
It's been awesome. Uh, I think any forensics coach will tell you that they get to work with some of the best students at their school. And I think that is 100% absolutely true. Um, It's the best students from the best families. And you really get to feel like they're your kids as well, just because they're, they're so talented and smart and engaging. And you get to work with them in a context and in a way that's very different than a typical teacher-student relationship, I think, uh, because you see them really outside of the classroom um, and in a different environment. You really get to forge a very different and cool bond with these kids. So it's been a learning process. I'm still learning as a coach, but it's been an awesome journey so far. Fantastic. I would love to hear you talk some more about the college forensics experience, because I think that is something that even students who are in the WFCA don't know about mm-hmm. a lot of them. And even if they know about it, they don't think about it. They don't make it a part of their, their college choice, their college decision process. Uh, what would you say to those kids? Um, I would say that um, college forensics is is not for everybody. But I think for those that are attracted to it and those that pursue it, it is an unbelievably worthwhile experience. It kind of takes this high school forensics experience that a lot of kids in Wisconsin high schools get and just kind of puts it on steroids, if you will. Um, You know, we're used to competing from January through March, and you do one, two, maybe three events if you're really feeling up to it. College, you're going in September. My senior year, I think I had upwards of eight events in the works at various points throughout the season, and you're competing all the way through April. And it can easily take over your life in a good way, um, but it's just, it's an amazing, phenomenal experience. And I think not only do you develop the skills as a speaker, as a speech writer, as an interpreter, as a performer, but the friendships and the relationships that you build in college forensics are incredible. I the one thing that I think always disappoints me a little bit in high school forensics is that teams stay very connected to each other and that's awesome and that's wonderful, but in the college world those school barriers really come down and you see kids interacting with and forming these relationships with kids from different colleges either within their state or with out or throughout the entire nation and to see those bonds form and it, it's just cool like to be on Facebook and see these far, fellow former competitors of mine from you know how many years ago when I was competing and we still have that relationship and we still have some of those same stupid inside jokes with each other and it's just cool to think that those relationships have, have continued to stay there even though all of these years have passed and we're not around each other on a regular basis anymore. Will you get to participate in the college forensic scene in your new position at Oshkosh? Um, they offer a team at UW Oshkosh. Um, I've, I, I would love to help them out and participate in that as well, um, if they're willing to you know, take me on as a advisor or coach in some capacity. So I'm certainly always open to that for sure. Um, but it's really, I want to make sure that you know, the person who is in charge, it's, it's their program and I want them to have the ownership of that. I'm happy to assist if they need me to, but I certainly don't want to try and step on anyone's toes or you know, force myself on them at all. Last year, I had the chance to speak with Bonnie Knight, who was the past president of the WFCA at the time. You are the current president of the WFCA. Mm -hmm. And I asked her this same question. What does the average forensics participant not know about being the WFCA president? The average 
person probably doesn't even know who the WFCA president <laughs> is, for that matter. So I think that's probably the biggest piece of information. Um, I also don't think that they necessarily know what exactly that role is. And I think sometimes the president of the WFCA doesn't even know what exactly that role is. And um, sometimes I feel like it's a little bit like herding cats to some degree, that you have a lot of bright, intelligent, and very outspoken people in this organization, and it's trying to get everybody on the same page and kind of working toward a common goal in a single direction can be very much a challenge for for this and for any organization for that matter. So I think what people don't know is that it's it's a very vague, nondescript job in a lot of ways, and it's up to each president really to kind of make of it what they want. Well, last year, the the WFCA president had to step down. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Father Gary Wagner was able to uh, step in and then fill his shoes. But what challenges or conversely, what blessings uh, did that experience bring to the executive board in your opinion? Uh, challenges, I think it just kind of, it, it threw everyone off a little bit and it kind of created a scenario that w- really had never happened before and really no one had seen coming So I think there was kind of this day or two of absolute shock that this had even happened and trying to figure out what went wrong and how do we move forward from here. So the challenge was that mixed with the timing of when it took place, which was in the beginning of a big strategic planning weekend, just really kind of threw a a huge wrench in what was going to be a great weekend looking forward for sure. Um, in terms of blessings, um, Father Gary is a wonderful, calming influence, and I think he did a great job of stepping in, um, assuming that leadership role without having to be told what to do. Um, given his past experience with this organization, he knew exactly what he needed to do and was able to execute that throughout the year, and so made that transition and that replacement a much easier process just because of his institutional knowledge and and his overall personality. Looking forward, what do you think are the topics that the executive board and the WFCA membership in general really need to tackle this next competitive year, 2013? Uh, There's a, a bunch of topics, and I think every program and every team certainly has their challenges, but I think bigger scale, I think funding issues are going to continue to be a problem for our activity in any activity at the high school level. School districts are are tight for funds and everyone acknowledges that and appreciates that. So it's how do you keep your program going given the limited financial resources that are available for teams? So how do you raise the money yourself? How do you get more money out of your school board? I think that's one component to it. Um, I think there are fewer and fewer schools doing forensics, and it's how do we keep this activity relevant for students and get them wanting to do it, which then puts pressure on schools to offer that activity. So I think the financial issue, the survival issue, um, and I think the third challenge is in any organization who's been around as long as forensics has, you kind of fall into this status quo of this is how we've always done things, and people are comfortable with this, people know this. And as a coach, I, I get that. Like I finally have figured out what this category is all about. And so there's a desire to keep it the same because you don't want to have to learn something all over again. But I think at the same time, when you fall into that, then 
you run the risk of falling into this complacency where people don't want to do categories anymore or things become stale. And so I think a challenge is how do we move the organization forward? How do we keep students involved and kind of adjust to a new world that we're living in? And how can forensics accommodate that? Uh, We're here uh, at the summer executive board meeting, and we both know that this interview won't air until the forensic season starts in January. So what are some of the topics that are being brought up this weekend that maybe students and coaches will already start to see change or clarification of come January. So really this is my opportunity like to see into the future and see yes. if it's coming true. Yes. And it's oh. going to keep us honest, I think a little bit. Like oh, these are, these yeah, are the things right. that we are planning to do. This is the accountability know, factor. Yes, of this know that in January <laughs> we're going to be putting right. this out into the world. So. Oh, that's right. I said that back in August, didn't I? So things that are coming forward, um, I think there are going to be some category changes that are certainly going to be coming up. Categories may not be around any longer. Uh, we had a conversation today about the future of group discussion and whether or not it's a category that we're going to keep around. Um, we were talking about whether or not impromptu will be at the state tournament this coming year as a consolation event. And so that may or may not take place. Um, some of the category, um, some specifics within those categories about uh, informant, and if we're going to allow it being only a freshman sophomore category or if it's open to everyone. Um, who knows what's going to happen with special occasion and storytelling? Are we going to open that up to more categories as a possibility? There was a big conversation tonight about maybe shifting the time frame of our season and bumping up the start date earlier into the fall and ending it earlier in the spring. So who knows if that item of conversation will come up and, and what will be decided with that. So there's a there's a potential for a lot of change kind of coming about. Um, who knows if that's going to actually happen or not. We will see in January. We will find out. How has forensics impacted your life? By nature, I am usually a pretty shy, introverted person. And I think most people, once they know me after a while, they don't believe that at all. But I really kind of prefer to stand along the sidelines and just kind of get the scope of the situation before I jump in a whole lot. And I think forensics really uh, forced me to be more confident in myself and in my voice and to put myself out there a little bit more. So I think the biggest change has, has certainly been an internal one in terms of, of my innate tendencies and my, my personality and, and making an improvement for the better in that regard. How do you use some of the skills that you learned in forensics every day? What, what did you take away from your forensics experience that you're still using? I, I think from the biggest thing for me, and after I finished college, I worked in the corporate world for a little while at a telephone book publishing company, um, and I continue to use the same skill as a teacher as well, is that I will still get nervous when I speak in front of a group of people, but I now know how to handle those nerves. And and I think that is the, the biggest, A, misconception about public speaking, in that people who do speech never get nervous. And that's so not true at all. We still get nervous. We just know how to handle it and how to translate those nerves into energy, for sure. I think the other thing that I use on a continuous basis is that 
a skilled forensicator knows how to talk their way into or out of just about any situation without a doubt. And so probably the bigger skill is that I can pretty much talk about anything and people think I know what I'm talking about, even if I'm just completely making it up. What is your favorite forensics memory? Favorite forensics memory uh, would be, oh gosh, there's, oh, there's so many of them. I got to be totally honest with you. All right, so favorite friend. Give us the the top selection. Okay, so top selection. All right, I say, okay, so here we go. Uh, This year at the state tournament, I was um, up on stage, actually, helping hand out the awards as president-elect. And our goal this year for our team at state was to get third place. We had been fourth place for four years in a row, and we were, like, so tired of fourth place, and we were gunning for third. And... I'm standing up there, and Chris Soch, the tournament director, comes in, and he's like flipping through his result sheets to get ready for awards. And I happened to look over, and I saw the um, results for Division One team awards, which is the division that we were in. And I saw our name listed fourth, and like it was this like oh complete bummer of a moment. But like awards are going on, so like he flipped by it fast, and I just kind of put it out of my head and didn't really think much of it at all. And as we're going through awards, of course, I'm convinced the entire time that we've gotten fourth place once again. And he's reading through awards, and he gets to fourth place, and it wasn't us. And I remember looking at Bonnie Knight, who was up there standing next to me, and I'm thinking, oh my God, Chris made a mistake. What's going to happen? And then I hear him announce that in third place, there was a tie, and that we had tied for third place. And so, it, it I mean, it was a bad hour or so leading up to it but that payoff at that moment like hearing our name called as tied for third was absolutely wonderful and it was definitely the highlight of the season for sure um i think the 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 very close second for me was um when i was in college as a competitor it took me a long time to figure out how the college forensics world worked and each year i tended to grow a little bit more a little bit more and my junior year had been going pretty well for the most part. Um, And then uh, while I was on spring break, some issues happened with my family and I wasn't able to compete my junior year at nationals because of some stuff that had gone on. And it was um, a tragic circumstance and I was glad that I was able to be there for my family. But at the same time, I'd had this pretty great year and it just kind of ended it on a on a bad note, unfortunately. So my senior year really was my opportunity to this was it. I mean, this is your last year. You've got to do it now. And I was so fortunate that I had an absolutely incredible senior year. It could not have gone any better than I had wanted it to. I had an amazingly supportive team. As a competitor, I found more success than I ever even dreamed possible and was able to you know, qualify for two national tournaments and was able to take, I think, six events to one and four events to another. And it was just... it. You know, even everything I had gone through, it just, I think, made it even that much better to know that I could bounce back and come back even stronger than what I had been. You may have already mentioned this, but what do you consider to be your greatest forensics accomplishment? I think my greatest forensics accomplishment has actually has come as a coach. And and I, and I know competitors sometimes don't really necessarily get this, but you you have a different perspective of success when you're in a coaching capacity. And yes, all of your success as a competitor is awesome, but 
when you get to be a coach, you get to enjoy in everyone's success. And that just makes it even better than your own personal success. And so I think starting a team from absolute scratch with nothing and within you know seven eight years being able to be you know the third place team in the state of wisconsin with a full squad of 30 to 35 students all having great opportunities to be successful um is is by far and away the best accomplishment that i have had as a forensics person for sure what do you think of the forensics community in wisconsin I I think for all of its ups and downs and strong personalities, I cannot imagine working with a more enjoyable group of people. Um, I'm, I feel very blessed that I think each pocket of the state of Wisconsin has its, its own tight-knit little community, for sure. Um, and I think the Madison area, where I am from, has a great group of coaches that I consider very good and dear friends. We all support each other. We compete hard against each other. But ultimately, we know that driving our programs and pushing each other is the best thing that we can do for this activity and for these students. And so I have this, it's such a great network of wonderful people who come together in this great activity and who want to do the best that they can for students. And I I think as long as we continue to remember that that's what the focus is, this is going to be, is and will continue to be a great activity for students and it's a great group of people to work with. In your opinion, what category in the WFCA doesn't get the recognition it deserves? I think special occasion is probably the one that it doesn't get the recognition because of the challenges that special occasion speaking presents and the added challenges that as associations we place on those students. Um, I often tell my college speaking students that if there's a speech that you will ever have to give in the course of your real world experience, a special occasion speech is it. You will have to give a toast at a wedding or a speech at someone's retirement party or an anniversary party, or you will have to eulogize someone, unfortunately, at some point in time. And so it is the most relevant, real-world kind of speech that any student will ever have to give. And I think it's unfortunate that more students don't take advantage of that category And that we kind of create these fake scenarios that students may not encounter in your real life. So I think there's a real opportunity there to change that category and make it better and make it more relevant and appreciate it more as a result. So conversely, which category do you think could be eliminated or categories? Uh, Up for elimination, I would have to say. Um. I think public address is probably number one on my list, unfortunately, of categories that potentially could go. Students don't seem to be interested in doing it. I think there's a confusion about what kind of category it is. Is it a persuasive speech? Is it an advocacy speech? Is it just who knows what kind of speech it is? So I think there's a lack of clarity. There's a lack of desire from students. And so I think as a result of that, that category can go for sure. I also think that group discussion, even though it is a skill that is really lacking in the world today, quality skills of discussing topics and coming to some kind of resolution, it's a great skill to have. 
unfortunately, this category doesn't seem to be doing it and building those skills up. What do you wish that every judge in the WFCA could know? And let me be clear, not that we're grateful for the work that they do. Of course. Or, you know, all of that stuff. That That's a given. What What do you wish they really knew when they walk into a round and they're about to judge one of your kids? Um, I, I hope that every judge knows or that they will know now that the words that they write on students' ballots have tremendous, tremendous power. And as a judge, I have to remind myself of that sometimes as well. And in my judge mind, as I'm writing out ballots and I'm making all these critical comments, because in my head I'm thinking, I don't want to be told what I'm doing right. I want to be told what I'm doing wrong. That that's not how judge how students necessarily read it. And sometimes it is those small positive comments of the one thing that that student has been working on all week long and you recognized it and you saw it in them has the ability to absolutely make their day or their year. And it's rare to me on bus rides home that students get fixated on something really negative, but instead they will choose to focus on an amazingly wonderful positive comment that a judge makes. And so as a judge, I have to remind myself that I need to remember to praise these kids for the work that they're doing. And I think it's important that every judge out there find something very specific and positive about a student's performance. And it's not just, oh, you did a great job. It needs to be more specific than that. So that's really the challenge to every judge and certainly the challenge that I have for myself as well. What is your favorite category to judge? And what makes a competitor great in that category? Oh, I, okay. So a lot of people have already answered Farago, I think, for this one. I I love me a good Farago. And I think it's just the perfect category in that it allows students this amazing creative opportunity to find a theme and find a variety of literature around that theme and just showcase what they are definitely possible or what they're um, able to do with that. So what makes a great one is I think finding a compelling and unique theme that I haven't heard already somebody do. You see a lot of Faragos on sadness or love or death, and that's fine, but there's a wealth of literature out there for the searching, and you can do a whole lot better than that. So find a unique aspect on those and just really dive into finding some great stuff and create a very unique performance that I will never be able to hear again from someone else. Your answer to the next question might have been different at different points of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so feel free to walk us through it if it has changed. But what do your family and friends think of forensics? Do they understand what it is? Do they do they support what you're doing? Do they understand why it's important to you? Absolutely. Um, like I said before, like my older sister, who was six years older than I was, um, did speech when she was in high school. So, you know, my whole family kind of learned early on what this activity was all about. 
and my sister was very successful. And so it kind of set that bar high for all of us. So really from day one, and I mean, the high school that I went to, everyone knew what speech was. Um, and my, my family, my friends, my parents, I've always kind of surrounded myself with people who love this activity and appreciate this activity and know this activity. So I've always felt very supported um, throughout my whole life, basically doing forensics. And it, it's it's been a blessing for me because it's something that I absolutely love to do. And so to have so many people around me that support me doing it is great. Um, I think the perfect example of this is that every year uh, for our tournament, my parents drive over from Iowa on Friday night, um, three hours, regardless of the weather, with a car full of food, and they basically feed the judges at our forensics tournament on their own. Um, and I believe that they are the reason that at least half of the schools at our forensics tournament return on a yearly basis. <clears throat> and I'm afraid that if my parents don't come back some year, I'm not going to be able to have a tournament because people will revolt against me. And so I feel so blessed that they're willing to do that and they do an amazing job. And it is just one last thing I even have to worry about because I know mom and dad are down in the teacher's lounge taking care of everything and I don't have to worry about it. And so I feel so fortunate and so blessed that they're that supportive. That is such a cool story. What is your biggest dream? Um, my biggest dream is to see, um, to see forensics continue to grow and thrive um, in the state of Wisconsin, and even on a national level as well. I think we as a society have become so focused on technology and communicating through computers or cell phones or text messaging or whatever that I think we're starting to lose that human component to it. And forensics fills the void of of what that technology has created. And so I really want students to continue to be great communicators in a face-to-face -face public context without a screen in front of them or a keyboard at their fingertips. And so I think my overall goal is just to continue to make this activity worthwhile and engaging for students um, and something that they enjoy doing, not just their four years of high school, but continue to want to come back to even after they're done. What advice do you have for forensic students? My advice to forensic students is to not measure your success by the number of trophies and medals that you are able to bring home on a weekly basis. Because 10, 15 years down the line, they're going to be in a box in your parents' basement, and you won't remember maybe even where that box is, even though your mom will remember and she'll be calling you to come and take care of it. You aren't going to remember what's even in there. And you'll look back, and it's not going to be about how well you did as a competitor. It's going to be about the relationships you formed, the friends that you made, the memories that you have on that bus at 4.30 in the morning when you really didn't want to have to wake up, that is what you're going to remember from this. And so my advice to any forensics competitor is, you know, enjoy it while you can and, and don't measure the success by the hardware you have. 
Each week, we try to outsmart our guest in our game, FaceTime. This is how it works. I have 20 questions inspired by a forensics category. You have 90 seconds, that's 75 seconds with a 15-second grace period, to answer as many questions as you can. Your topic this week is based on Solo Serious. So you may know that Solo Humorous inspired questions about funny movies. But we're going in a totally different direction. Oh, boy. In honor of our new word puzzle game, your questions are about words that can be created using only the letters found in Solo Serious. So that's three S's, three O's, E-L-R-I, and U. Not all of the letters, but only those letters. I may give you a definition and ask for a word, or I may ask a question related to the word. Basically, I can do whatever I want because it's my show. You may skip a question at any time, but you cannot return to questions you miss or skip. Your 90 okay. seconds begins when I finish reading the first question. Okay. Ready? No, hold on. Can I like answer the question before you're finished reading sure. the question? Okay. If so it's know. not like Jeopardy, I can't buzz in until... Nope. All right, now I'm ready. Okay. Let's begin. Okay. This O word identifies a brightly colored bird, also a sports team. Oriole. Which of the following meanings does not apply for the word sole, S-O-L-E? A European fat fish, the underside of a foot or shoe, or a cut of meat? Cut of meat. Correct. In the musical Gypsy, everything is coming up. Roses. This L word is the singular form of a wingless, parasitic insect often found in hair. Light. Louse. Correct. The official currency of 17 countries, including Germany and France. Euro. This verb means to feel sorrow or to repent, also a character in the Hunger Games. Oh, I love that movie. Sorry, pass. Correctly spell Lou, as in, in lieu of cash, he gave us an IOU. L-I-E-U. Correct. Eros was the Greek god of love. His Roman counterpart is... I don't know, pass. Cupid. A synonym for earth, dirt, starts with S. Soil. Correct. This I word has many meanings. One is a singular instance of a periodical, such as a newspaper or magazine. Issue. Correct. A blank name is normally followed by a password. Username. Correct. This S word is the male parent of a quadruped. Male parent of a quadruped. I don't know. It's a sire. This S word means to litigate. Sue. Correct. The only one of the first four basic taste sensations that you can spell using the letters in Solo Serious. Sour. Correct. This R word means to bring out of a state of sleep. Rouse. Correct. This S word is a fleshy multiple fruit composed of a densely packed flower or seed vessel like a pineapple or mulberry. No clue. <laughs> it's a cirrhosis, but your 90 seconds is up. You actually did really well. How many did I get right? Okay. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Oh, the record's like 20, right? Uh, 17 by Ben Kroll. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What was the Hunger Games answer? Oh, Rue. Oh, of course. Yep. Thank you so much, Elliot, for being a part of Forensics Faces, and we look forward to seeing you in the new year. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us for Forensics Faces. Special thanks to this week's Forensics Face, Elliot Fisher. Is there still something you want to know about Elliot? Post your questions or start a conversation on the Forensics Faces blog at ForensicsFaces.com. 
Forensics Faces is recorded and edited by Kurt Graves. Theme song by Kate Lockwood. Produced with the support of the WFCA. Developing communication skills vital for a lifetime of effective participation in society. Find out more at wfcaforensics.org. Hey guys, it's Kurt again. There's actually a postscript to this week's episode. Elliot brought up some possible areas of change during this conversation, and I thought you should have an update. All of the things he discussed were brought to the membership at our fall meeting, and ultimately, no changes were made this year. However, if you have a strong opinion about any of the things Elliot and I talked about, I encourage you to have a conversation with your coach about the changes you'd like to see. For clarification on any of these topics, feel free to contact Elliot, myself, or any of the members of the executive board. Our contact info can be found on the WFCA website. Thanks, guys.